Welcome to the Demand Gen Club podcast, the first podcast exclusively dedicated to B2B demand generation secrets and best practices as shared by some of the top leaders in the industry. This podcast is brought to you by SASMQL, the account-based marketing agency based in Redwood City, California. They help venture-funded SaaS companies scale demand generation from target accounts. By combining intent data, automation, and a proven methodology, SASMQL can help your startup generate millions of dollars in sales opportunities within a few months. To learn more, go to sasmql.com. Welcome to a new episode of the Demand Gen Club podcast. I'm your host, Franco Caporale. Our guest today is Eugene Nylos, Director of Demand Generation at Shippo. Shippo is the platform that brings e-commerce businesses closer to their customers by making shipping effortless. Eugene is responsible for all the marketing automation aspects and for launching and managing the programs that drive engagement and opportunities for Shippo. Eugene started his career in web development, then transitioned to demand generation, working with companies like Schmagmag, Town Square, and Atlona. So I'm thrilled to welcome today Eugene Nylos, Director of Demand Generation at Shippo. Eugene, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Franco. Uh, it's great to be here. So I would like to start just a little bit in more details about your background. Uh, where did you work before and how did you end up becoming the director of demand generation at Shippo? Yeah, uh, that's a very interesting question. Uh, so I'm a director of demand generation at Shippo currently. Uh, and Shippo is a shipping software for e-commerce businesses. Um, and what we do, uh, we make it easy for e-commerce businesses to connect their online teller platforms to our software to automatically bring their online orders in. Also, also automate order management flow with business rules, find the cheapest carrier rates, uh, print shipping and return labels, as well as create great post-purchase experience like uh, sending tracking info to uh, their customers. Uh, that we provide for them. And be- before that, I was uh, working for uh, different uh, B2B and B2C organizations doing demand generation, lead generation, uh, email marketing, uh, various uh, different various things. How I ended up at demand generation is a very interesting story. I used to, I used to be actually, believe it or not, I used to be a web developer in early 2000, like, 1999. In the year of 1999, I became a web developer and I used to work for a tech company for a few years until everything went down. And when I lost my job, I went to sales. Um, I went to sales and spent there for about, about three years. And I, at that time, it was a switch moment for me. I realized that you know, I kind of liked it. Um, I liked the psychology aspect of the sales, and I, w- I got very curious about how and why humans shape their decisions. And after sort of sort of being in sales for three years, I decided to go back to market to corporate world, and I f- I found a position that allowed me to do marketing as well as development, and then slowly I transitioned to marketing. And since then, I was uh, in marketing doing a lot of the more 
the major initial stuff. So that's a very interesting transition from web developer to sales to demand generation. So how did you find that transition, particularly the last one from sales to demand generation, since you you got to experience both sides of the of the table? Uh, well, so I, sp- I spent a few years working for one company doing uh, web development and marketing at the same time, and then I spent a few years in another company doing more marketing and uh, slowly graduating from uh, uh, little things that I did in different marketing departments to become um, a dimension person. I think uh, this is what attracts me the most is uh, finding a way um, to finding a way and approach to talk to people uh, online and uh, give them the solution uh, that they require at that time, if it makes sense. Yeah. And so today, Ashipo, how does your team look like? How many people you have on your team and what kind of roles do they do they cover? Well, right now at Shippo, we have about uh, 10 people on our marketing team. Uh, the manager nation is part of the marketing team. Uh, and I work very closely with uh, pretty much everyone on our marketing team. Uh, we have people who do content. We have people who do uh, online events and social media. Uh, we have people who are responsible for generating content for the main generation team. So lots of uh, different uh, things are being done by uh, different people. We're still scrappy, you know, we're still continuing to be a startup. Um, and there is a, a lot more work that goes beyond, that go beyond job responsibilities. So talk to us about your uh, tech stack in marketing demand generation. What do you guys use for automation, CRM, sales automation, or for SEO? Like, can you tell us a little more about the systems? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, for example, for marketing and sales side, uh, we rely on tools such as WordPress, uh, Optin Monster, uh, that allow us to do uh, various different pop-ups on our website, uh, Unbound tool where we build landing pages, Wistia where we host our videos, we use HubSpot for email marketing needs. We use Salesforce, we use Drift, the online chat. Uh, we, use, we use Salesloft, uh, we use Looker. In, in terms of communications, communication tools, I would say we use, use the most Zoom and Slack. It's probably like most of the companies <laughs> right now. And you mentioned Looker, is that to analyze data and to pull data from different sources? Yeah, so we have. Um, Redshift, yeah, uh, and uh, data warehouse, and we use Looker uh, that sits on top of the data warehouse and pulls all the data from data warehouse uh, and allow us to visually see that data, so we can easily make the decisions. Interesting. So I'll I'll go back to that because obviously we're going to talk about metrics and data in a second. But first, I would like to hear from you, like with 
you know, semi-large team that there is already at the company, like 10 plus people and all these systems. What is your main challenge today that you are kind of working hard to try to solve, if you have to mention one? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think it is a very good question. Like from, a, my, like from my standpoint, I mainly concentrate on a few things right now. It's going a little bit up the market. Right now, we mainly concentrate on SMBs, but we would we do want to go a little bit up the market, but uh, it requires, you know, to align product, marketing, and sales. We need to equip you know, our product with the right features. We need to have the right tools. You know, we need to, our sales team needs to have the right information. So we need to align every team uh, as well as we need to find the right accounts to go after. So that's one. And this, the second one is sort of like the, comes from the first one, it's outbound sales. Basically, we're trying to figure out how to leverage the buyer intent signals right now and data that we get from various places to our advantage uh, so we can close more deals and faster. Okay, so figure it out. You're basically trying to transition more aggressively to an account-based marketing, moving up market. And so you want to leverage more of the intense signal from, from these large companies? Yeah, so uh, it's two sides. Uh, we still want to concentrate on SMBs. We still want to uh, scale our channels where we see the good results coming, where, like where the channels where we acquire SMBs. Uh, plus, we want to go up the market a little bit. And we are using different uh, softwares to find buyer intent data and signals that can tell us, oh, okay, so this account could be in market right now. So we want to go after that account. We want to have our SDRs reaching out to that account and open opportunities and close those opportunities. And uh, in terms of your lead source, and I know you probably have different segments on SMBs and mid-market and kind of going up market to enterprise, but if you have to look at your top lead sources today, what, what, what are they and what are your leads coming from? It's a great question. So we have, uh, I would probably just name a few. Uh, the top two, I would say we have AdWords and Organic. Uh, we heavily invest in uh, SAM uh, and we heavily invest in uh, our content. So I want to go back to the, to the metrics part because it's something I, I'm always very interested so you, what kind of metrics are you tracking today regularly that you monitor daily or weekly? So what's on your dashboard and what do you report at you know, the executive level? So from a dimensional standpoint of view, I'd say we'll look at you know, how much we spend in each channel, uh, in each campaign, the number of signups we're getting, what was the cost per signup, how many customers we are getting from the signups, and what what is the cost per customer? Uh, what is the activation rate? And by activation rate, I mean how many signups become customers. So we look at that rate. We look at revenue. We look at payback period. We look at uh, customer lifetime value to customer acquisition cost rate. Uh, so this is mainly like what we care about from a more of like a executive standpoint of view, I would say on a quarterly basis, the metrics the most that uh, 
our executive team, team cares about is how many signups we get, how many customers we get, and what is the revenue. Your uh, SMB customer that you said you track signups, do they, are they self-serve in terms of model, like business model, or they still have to go through your account executive or SDR in order to be converting to customers? So we have a few different products. Uh, we have web app and we have API. Uh, API is more for larger customers because they already have their own infrastructure and uh, it's easier for them to use our, our API to get the life rates, to get the life carrier rates and buy shipping labels. A smaller segment for SMB segment, most of the people use uh, web app. Some of them, a lot of them are self-serve, but uh, we do help some people get onboarded. Uh, we have a very, very, very good sales team and they help the secret people who need help to get onboarded. So when you look at attribution, even for, the, for that segment, do you look more at the first touch campaign that where the leads originated or what got them to convert as a sign-up or is a combination of them and you look also at a multi-touch level? That's a very good question. Right now, we are looking at the first touch. Uh, a lot of people who we drive to our site, uh, we do drop booking on them. And we look at the first touch. So basically, if you come from, from our ad in Google and then you leave and come back, let's say, from Facebook in 15 days, you still will be attributed to to the ad that you clicked on inside Google. Uh, so our model is pretty basic and simple at the moment. But is that uh, because you're, you're so focused on first touch because of your fairly short sales cycle? So you think, you know, I still kind of carry the value from the first touch. If your, if your sales cycle was longer, would you maybe kind of distribute it more towards the, the last campaign or what's your thoughts? I would say if our product, so starting, let's say starting from a product, right? So our product is not a very priced product. It's, I mean, right now, right now people don't pay for our software. They use it for free. We don't have product that costs a lot so it's easy to get started right you can say you can stand up and start printing right away for this matter exactly like we don't need a very complex solution but if i were a sales company and our product costs like thousands of dollars you know the sales cycle will take a lot longer and i would probably bring some other tools uh, that could help us figure out like what were the actual touches, right? The multi-touches that brought a specific account to the close. Yeah, because uh, I see uh, quite a few companies that, for example, have like a six to nine month sales cycle. And if mm -hmm. there is a leader comes from LinkedIn, you know, six months ago and now converts on a webinar, for example, they tend to put more value on the webinar because it's what kind of triggered that opportunity. But leads can be originated like even a year or two before. So as uh, yeah, I think the value in that case shifts to to the last touch. In terms of a, a single campaign, if you have to look at single initiative that you run, um, what was something that worked out really well for you uh, in terms of a campaign, and one that maybe didn't work out as well? Maybe it was a test that wasn't as successful. Yeah, great questions. I wouldn't uh, discriminate in regards to like the most successful or successful 
I would just probably give an example of just successful campaign, if it's okay. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, what's working for us really well right now, it's a retargeting ad that we are pushing to people who visit our, our website, sign up. So we have a, uh, we have a, we have a Hippo logo. So our company is called Shippo, but it's based on Hippo, right? So, uh, so we have a Hippo logo and we have a very like quirky image. Hippo, Hippo is sitting inside the car and the message says, Hey, take Shippo for a test drive. And that, you know, converts, I would say fairly well, uh, the activation rate that we see from these type of ads are greater than the actual activation rate that we currently see from all the channels by, I would say, like 50% or so. Yeah, I can see that working with the hippo on the car. (laughs) And so tell us now what's one, tell us the example of a campaign that didn't work as well. Maybe a test that you tried and you don't want to try again. Yeah, totally. Um, So recently we did try podcasting. We sponsored different podcasts and we hired a company. Uh, we did lots of, in lots of different podcasts. What we anticipated is probably a little bit bigger volume of signups and a little bigger number of conversions and, uh, and customers than we actually got. So we were kind of a little bit more disappointed, but we also thought that, you know, podcasting is more like brand awareness play rather than just, you know, direct response play even though some companies are very successful in direct response ads running on different podcasts but uh, we came to a conclusion that it's not the case for us that's very interesting to know because i see quite a few podcast publications that they charge 10 15k per month to sponsor even 20k Mm -hmm. obviously Mm -hmm. they have a very very big audience so i'm always curious to know like companies that are using those podcasts, do they get any do they get the results that they wanted or that they expected? And how is their experience? Were you using yeah. a specific call to action or do you have a specific offer during those promotion or it was just mostly visit our site? Uh, no, we had a special promotion uh right on right those podcast ads. I can't remember what it was, uh, but it was a uh, I would say it was very compelling. So I want to kind of close this talking about your relationship with the sales team and, you know, what alignment there should be. The first question I want to ask you is, do you think in general, not just a shippo, but in general, SDR should report into demand generation and marketing or they should report to the VP of sales and why? That's a very interesting philosophical question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it depends on the company, how the company is structured. Like, for example, we have SDR people in our company and they are on the demand generation side right now. So one of the advantages I see having them on the demand generation side is we are more aligned in regards to how we want to, how we want to position our messaging uh, that we are sending out uh, versus SDR people being on, on a sales team and reporting to a different person. So there are a lot of companies that are set up that way and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just probably one extra step where we need to go through a manager, SDR manager, and uh, getting his approval before we do anything.
something else. Yeah, absolutely. This is pretty pretty common. I see across across the board, uh, especially at companies at this stage. But in terms of uh, processes with sales, you know, having the SDR under sales, under marketing, like what what's what's a good cadence in order to meet with them or exchange ideas or uh, keeping everyone on track with their SLAs or their action items when you guys generate leads or having feedback from sales. Do you guys have a process? Do you guys have uh, meetings? What do you guys do in order to align marketing and sales? Uh, Totally. We meet actually a lot in our days. The new norm right now brought kind of new perspective of, of how people communicate. So we communicate a lot more than we used to when we were in the office. We meet right now at least two times a week, sometimes three, to discuss the plan, uh, the initiatives, the messaging, the positioning, etc. Do you also participate like to forecast calls, like, you know, um, quarter, quarter QBR or, you know, sales kickoff and all of that? How is that? Who from the marketing team usually attends those those meetings? For from a high level perspective, like uh, if uh, we need to meet with an executive team, we have a VP of marketing. If we need to create forecast plan on what we'll do next quarter or this quarter, or how the next year will look like, the channel that I'm responsible for, I'm the one who's driving that initiative. Got it. Perfect. And so I want to kind of close with one question. Um, that I I usually like to close every episode is, can you share with us one hack or one trick or maybe something that is quick quick to implement that we can uh, we can try that can be very profitable or, or has worked really well for you? Sure. So I used to work for a startup. It was a startup similar to Quora company. We had a Q&A marketplace. On one of the sides of the spectrum, we had people who had questions. And on another side, experts who would answer those questions. So whenever people posted a question, it went to a marketplace and an expert could answer a question. But we wanted wanted to monetize that process. So we were charging money, I believe $5 or $10 per question uh, that people wanted to get an answer to. And then we were paying experts the percentage of those money. A lot of people uh, sort of fell from the funnel. Like they, they posted the question, we asked their email address, and then on the next page, we asked for money. And obviously, 95% of people didn't, didn't want to pay. So what I did, because we collected questions and email addresses, uh, we created a follow-up email to people who wanted to post a question but didn't because they didn't pay. So our goal is to collect money. And what I did, I personalized that email. I believe I did eight different tests during a two-month period. What I did, every, every time I tested something, like I tested only one thing. At the end, I had a very personalized subject line that included a question uh, that people asked. Uh, inside the body of the email, I put a picture of the expert uh, who could actually uh, answer that question. And I also put a small animated GIF saying, hey, this this expert is online. So and he's available to answer your question right now. So small small things like this, like, very, like personalization, sort of 
out of out of the box idea of like, hey, let's put a let's put a face inside that email so people know uh, who is going to be answering their question. And with all these changes, the email contributed to twenty five percent of the whole revenue that company was making. That's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of what you have to do when you uh, don't have like the huge budget or when you raise a ton of money uh, that you can you sure. know, just throw money on LinkedIn or, or AdWords. For sure. So Eugene, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you again for spending time with us and joining us today during this episode. Franco, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.